Praise God. Man, what a powerful time this morning we've had just in his presence this morning. I don't know about you, but um, I'm just overwhelmed by his, his goodness this morning. How many are just overwhelmed by who he is today? Um, it's hard to come out of those worship moments like this for me. I'm, I'm very uh, emotional sometimes when it comes to this because I, I just get so engaged in his presence and um, I just feel like God is really wanting to do a lot this morning. He's wanting to speak his word to us today. So I'm not going to take a lot of time, but I want to just tap into what Pastor Marissa was saying. This is a word. What we heard today was a word from God. And I don't, I mean, I, I think many of you did respond. Maybe some of you that did not respond to this word, but I'm telling you, he wants to show you he is the God of the impossible. He wants to show you today that he can do anything there's nothing that's not impo- that, is impo- that is possible for God. God is able to do all things. And what I love about what the, the analogy that she shared this morning, what I love is that when, when we're standing at the edge of the water and we're seeing this, this body of water, we feel like there's nowhere we can go. That he, there's no possible way that he could come through. He makes a way where there seems to be no way. And he opens doors for our lives. He actually splits the waters and gives us the opportunity to carry our family and ourselves over onto the other side. And what I love about it is that when we get to the other side, we can turn around and watch our enemy get consumed by the waters that were behind us. You know, that's the testimony of the Lord. I'm going to talk about a little bit about that this morning. But I, I, if you will, just grab your Bibles. Come on, would you just hold them up real quick? Come on, grab your Bible. If you got the text this morning, hold it up in the air. And if you don't have a Bible, don't have the text this morning, just reach over and grab your neighbor's Bible and tell them I need it more than you do. Come on. And say, I will hear his word. I will receive his word because I love his word. Come on, say it again. I will hear his word. I will receive his word because I love his word. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2 real quick. Acts chapter 2. And men, I'm telling you what an honor it is that we... Um, are here today and the honor I have to just share God's word with you this morning. And um, let me just say this to the chapel family. Thank you. Thank you so much for just being hospitable to my family and I, how you've just received us, brought us in with open arms and just said, you know, we welcome you here home. We welcome you to this place. And you guys have gone above and beyond. And I can't thank you enough for your for hospitality and all that you've you've shown to us, your love you've shown to us, and I can speak on behalf of many of the Rock family members who have now since we've merged now for the last month, I can say it feels like home, and I'm so grateful. I, can't, I let's give yourself a pat on the back if you will, just say, man, I've done a good job because I believe, uh, guys, we can do so much more together than we can do apart from each other, and what God wants to do in our city is beyond what we ever could ever imagine. Because I believe there's strength through unity. I believe that when, when there's unity, God commands the blessing, like it says in Psalm 133. There's a command on the blessings of God when we come together. And I think we're going to make a major impact in our city. Amen? How many believe that this morning? Which kind of leads me to my, my subject this morning. And what it is, we're going to continue in these 10 qualities of what it is to go from a believer to a disciple, and the quality that we have that I have to share with you this morning is to engage in biblical community. What does it look like for a disciple to engage in biblical community? 
community. And not just any community, but a community that is challenged to move forward in their faith, to be challenged to, to, to move forward in their life with God and being marked by God. It's, it's a difference than just being a part of some some social community. This is not about being a part of a social club. This is about being a part of a kingdom community, a part of God's community, a part of a community that is, is representing Jesus in everything that they do. And so it's not just any community. Pastor Bobby last week talked about living our life filled with purpose. How many know that's very important, that we live our life with the purpose of God in our life? And that we're not just living for the, just to, to just go through motions. We're actually living to make a difference in our city. We're living to make a difference in our family. We're living to make a difference to those around us. And that is our heart's desire. You see, disciples are believers who choose to love one another. Disciples are believers who choose to love one another and work together as kingdom citizens to build the kingdom community to display the love of God. I'm going to say that again. Disciples are believers who choose to love and work together as kingdom citizens. A part, of, a part of a citizen of heaven. To build a community to display the love of God. See, we need each other. We can't live this life without each other. God intends for us to do life together. Matter of fact, in, in the very beginning, in creation, he created all things and he said it was good but there was one thing that was not good and he said that it was not good that man be alone you see the, the bottom line is that we have to have each other we can't live life alone and it's a purpose for us to move forward in God's plan we need each other you know life is filled with ups and downs life is filled with those moments you're on the mountaintops and those moments that you're in the valleys. And I don't know about you, but I need someone to help me come up out of the valley sometimes. You need that? Anybody need that other than me? Because I think that it's important for us to, to be there for each other, to help encourage one, one another along. You know, it's almost like a roller coaster ride, right? You ever been on those roller coasters where you're up there in the mountain or on the very tip top of those, 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 those very tip top of those roller coasters and, and everything, you can see everything around you and you can, you can actually uh, uh, see the, all the people down there and everything's just hunky-dory. But then there comes this moment, hunky-dory. Yeah, did y'all like that? There comes this moment where you're sitting up there and all of a sudden there's a moment where everything just drops out. You know, I remember my kids the very first time they rode the roller coaster. On the way there, there's big, I had to say big roller coaster because let me tell you this, Spring Park roller coaster is not really a roller coaster, okay? <laughs> That's just a little fun little thing that you go around and around on. But we went to Six Flags Over Georgia. And we were on our way there, and on the way, we came into Atlanta and started getting close to Six Flags, and all of a sudden, you could see the Goliath kind of peering up over the, the horizon, and my kids were all excited. I'm going to ride this ride. It's going to be great. They're all pumped and really excited about it. The closer we got, the bigger the roller coaster got. Then their eyes went from, oh, God. I don't know if I want to do this, right? So then we get there. We're going to do it anyway. We get there. We get up on the, the roller coaster. And what, what happens is that moment of excitement turns to fear, right? Oh, God. I can't believe I've, I made the decision to do this. And all of a sudden, we get up there. And what was one moment of excitement, of 
filled with joy and happiness turns to fear and sorrow. And for some, sickness. And I'd never wanted to be behind the person who was sick in front of me, right? You know what I'm talking about? Anyway. But there's these life moments that are up one minute and down the next. But we have to have each other to help encourage each other. Spur one another on in faith. So Acts chapter 2, real quick. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Says this. The devote, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread. Everybody said amen. And to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at that that many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Dear Father, I just, again, I can't thank you enough for your presence in this room today. And Holy Spirit, we do welcome you. We welcome you into this moment. We ask for your presence and your spirit, God, to just empower us to do your will and to be a part of your plan. But I pray, Holy Spirit, that you just make every heart ready to receive what you have to say today. Make our hearts ready to receive. I pray the anointing of God destroy the yoke of sin And I pray every heart be pliable and ready to receive the word of the Lord in this room today. And we just thank you for it in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. You see, biblical community in scripture is just what I read to you in Acts chapter 2. It says this, they devoted themselves. Everybody say devoted. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to eating, praise God. And to prayer. They devoted themselves. You see, devotion is is more than just coming to church. When you devote yourself to something, you commit yourself to something. You go above and beyond what's necessary to make a difference. You see, a lot of times we think of being devoted means I'm going to be a participant. But see, there's a difference between participation and devotion. There's a difference between participation and engaging. Because participation says, I will do what's necessary to be there. But engaging means I'm going to invest into it. There's a completely different thing going on here. Many times we, in the church, we think, well, if I just show up for every event, I'll be there. I'll make sure I'm there. I'm going to be at every church service. I'm going to be at every community group. I'm going to be at every, every uh, outreach. I'm going to do all these things. Have you ever heard the term before when somebody talks to you about church and they say, hey, I just, I'm going to every service. I'm there for every outreach. I'm doing all the things I need to do. I'm watching online. I'm engaging. I'm doing all these things, but I just don't feel connected. Have you ever heard that before? Maybe you've said that. You see, because there's a difference between just participating and actually engaging, that means you're investing into it. You're going above and beyond to say, I'm going to do what I have to do. I'm going to die to myself and be a person that is helping complete and do the work of the kingdom of God. You see, that's what we do as a, as a kingdom community. As the body of Christ, we're going above and beyond to see whatever God wants. He wants to use me, just use me, Lord. 
I'm going to be there. I'm going partic- to Now, listen, participation is important. Don't get me wrong. I think we need to participate. But when you're there, please connect and engage. Connect and engage because that's when the differences are made. But devoting yourself, investing your time and your efforts, all that you can to be all that God wants you to be. But see, many times what happens when we invest, that means we have to give of our time. We have to give of a sacrifice. And we don't want to do that. That means I've got to sacrifice my football. That means I've got to sacrifice my baseball. That means I've got to sacrifice my golfing and my fishing and all these other things. Listen, you can have all those things, but I'm telling you, it's important for us to understand that when you're part of a kingdom that's not of this world, then you're not, you've been purchased by the blood of Jesus and you're not your own. And so I'm giving of myself. I'm actually giving all of that I have to the Lord. But we want to shy away from that because it requires something of us. And when we, we, when we disconnect, that's mainly because of several reasons, actually. One of those reasons is because we're selfish. But another reason is because we're fearful. We have a fear of what that might look like, what that might actually entail. There's fear and anxiety that start to creep in. Fear of being rejected from someone else. Fear of having a lack of control of my time and my, my, my things in my life. A fear of, of being accountable to someone else. A fear of being trusting to someone else. A fear of rejection. A fear of being wounded, church. A fear of being hurt and offended. And, and here's the big one. A fear of being vulnerable. Nobody wants to be vulnerable because if I'm vulnerable, then I've got to show you what's on the inside and I've got to show you the things that maybe that doesn't look so pretty. See, we live in this, this, this world of, of social media and all these different filters all the time, right? World of social media, Instagram filters that make us look different than we really are. When we're scrolling through Instagram or Facebook, what we're looking at is not the real thing. We're looking at a make, made up thing, something that's been made up and, and touched up and all my flaws are gone. It's not really anything that's really there. And so we try to live our lives that way. We put up these walls of, that separate us from being vulnerable because, listen, the thing about vulnerability is this. It's the first thing I expect from you, but it's the last thing that I want you to have of me. Vulnerability is the first thing that I expect of you. I want you to be honest. I want you to be real. I want you to be authentic. Matter of fact, I demand that of you, but oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. Don't do that about me because if I do that, then I've got to show you who I really am. But see, vulnerability is required for us to move forward in the kingdom of God. Being vulnerable to God. That's what she was just talking, Pastor Marissa was just talking about that. Being honest. Listen, be honest with God. I love David because David does it all the time. He's, he's up on the mountain one minute and he's down in the pit in the next. I'm, I'm, praise God and all of a sudden I'm on my bed crying my eyes, you know, crying myself to sleep at night. See, that's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to be open and honest because that's what God needs. But it, sometimes it's uncomfortable. I mean, nobody really wants to be, be vulnerable that way because that makes me uncomfortable. You've ever been in that pre-op surgeon, uh, surgery room? You know what I'm talking about, pre-op surgery room? They, they, they put you in this room where all these lights are really bright and shows all your flaws. And you're like, I really look like that? I mean, my God. 
And then they say, hey, put on this, this, uh, this sheet. I'm like, I got to put that on. And then they say, yeah, it ties in the back. Yeah, really. It never really ties in the back. It tries to tie. And then you're like, well, just forget it. I guess I'm just going to show the world my backside today. But there's a, in order for you to go into surgery and the surgeon to do their work, they have to bring the wound into the light. They have to bring your wound into the light. And for, in order for the Lord to do the surgery that he needs to do on your heart and in your life, he has to bring your wound, your pain, all the things you've been hiding under all those, those clothes and those filters and those walls. And he said, hey, bring that into the light. Because that's where I can heal. And sometimes, church, in order for you to be healed, you have to step out into an uncomfortable place. It doesn't feel good, but I promise you, it's the road to healing. If you just choose to step out. See, uncomfortable things in our life can sometimes take us into a place of trusting the Lord because vulnerability gives God the ability to work through you to accomplish his will and his plan in your life. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse nine. I love this passage, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. You see, when we become vulnerable and expose some of the weak things in our lives to the Lord, what God does is says, hey, I'm going to use that and I'm going to show you that I'm able to make all grace abound towards you. I'm going to show you that I'm able to do the things in your life that seem to be impossible to man, but I'm able to accomplish it because you gave yourself to me. That leads me to Romans 12, 1. It says this, what does it say? Present your bodies right? Present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Present your bodies. When you present your body to the Lord, it's a vulnerable place. But this is a part of our life of worship. You see, worship is not what we do when we come into these four walls. Worship is what we do with our life. Worship is how we live it. Worship is how we live our life to those around us. A lifestyle that is in pursuit of God. And when we present our bodies, he's able to use us for his kingdom. But when you present, you're, you're actually sacrificing your own self to God's plan and his purpose. Amen? Are you with me this morning? I need you to say amen so we can get out of here before 3 p.m. Praise God. I'm just kidding. Okay. You know what's sad about the American church, though, and I don't want to get on my soapbox, but just give me just a second to get on it for a second. What's sad about the American church is that instead of teaching us what it is to be uncomfortable, we've tried to make you as most comfortable as possible instead of making you confident in your faith. The church has tried to make you comfortable. We're going, to make, we're going to make it perfect for you. We're going to set the stage for you to have everything just like you like it. 
But when we do that, we're not teaching what it is to be a disciple. Because a disciple requires discipline. A disciple requires a disciplined life. And we have to learn what it is to sacrifice our will, our desires. I heard a gentleman recently just say, we got to learn how to die well. We have to learn how to die well. Church, if that's, that's one of the things that I think in my life I've had to constantly go back to. You said we pick up our cross daily, right? It's every day. I've got to die to myself today, and I've got to live God's plan in my life. I've got to walk this thing out. And by presenting that weakness to the Lord, he empowers me to fulfill his purpose and his plan. Amen? All right. Now let me get back to, I was my soapbox. I didn't cost you anything. All right. When we choose to engage in biblical community, when we choose to finally make the decision, okay, I'm going to die to myself, I'm going to choose to engage now into the the kingdom culture and the kingdom community in my life, there's things that start to change in us. There's things that change. Number one, the first thing that changes is our behavior. Our behavior has to change. Behavioral changes, though, take time and patience. It's not something that just happens overnight. You don't choose to, okay, tomorrow I'm going to start acting differently, right? It requires a behavioral change, requires patience and time. How many of you have made New New Year's resolutions? Come on, show me your hands. How many of you made New Year's? How many are are still holding on to those New Year's resolutions? Oh, well, that's what I thought, see? (laughs) Truth is... It requires a community of people around you to help you change. Because what happens, a lot of times we do it independently. We say, we're going to make a difference, right? I've done this with my diet, right? I've constantly went to, the, to, to do the same diet over and over again. And so finally, when I made a decision, and my kids know this and they hate it, because when I, make, when I go on a diet, the whole family is going on a diet. I'm not going to be challenged and, and try to be... Uh, um, Tempted by going to the cabinet and seeing all these little Debbies in there and all, uh uh-uh, we're all, everybody's done. No more bread in the house. You're just going to have to eat a sandwich without the bread. Because today dad's going on a diet and this is the way things are because I need a community around me to help me do a behavioral change. Are you with me? And that's the church. The church, we have to have each other to challenge us and encourage us in our speech. What we have to say. Listen, I, I can make a difference. I can, I can actually make a, a decision, rather. I can make a decision today that I'm not going to say this or that or the other. I'm not going to talk this way about this person or I'm not going to talk that way about this person. And if I've got people around me to help challenge me and hold me to that, that changes my speech. And I start to realize, you know, my words carry weight. My words carry weight. You know, we bought into this lie many years ago that, that sticks, can, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. That's a bunch of bull. Words hurt, friends. Words hurt. And so that's why we have to be, we have to control our tongue. Because out of this mouth comes life or it can come death. And so I need my brothers and sisters to come alongside me to say, hey, listen, what you said about this person or what you're saying about this person is not right. I need that in my life. And what I'm saying about my family, maybe, hey, listen, how many know those negative Nancys? And I'm, if you're Nancy here, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean, 
But you know what I'm talking about? They just constantly, la, 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 la. And I need, listen, I don't need them around me. I need someone to, 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 to come around come around me to encourage me. And we, need to, we don't need those around our lives. We need those who are encouraging us, building us up, and speaking positively in our life. Amen? So behavioral changes. Changing our behavior starts with determination, but also needs support from others. Holding us accountable in our speech and in our conduct. Amen? Second thing is our love increases. When we choose to engage into a biblical community, our love begins to increase. It goes beyond where it is now, starts to move forward into a new season of what it is to love and encourage others. You said, uh, sorry, excuse me. Colossians 3, Colossians 3 verse 14 says, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us. Everybody say binds us. Binds us all together in perfect harmony. Don't you just love that, that quartet that's got the perfect harmony? Everything is just perfect. It sounds wonderful. I don't know about you, but I've families. Have you heard families sing together? And their harmonies are just awesome when they start to sing. Because they're, they're, they're a family. They actually have the same tone. They actually have the same voice inflections. And, and that, that's what happens when you're family. You start to speak the same way, sound the same way. But when you're, when you're bound together... The scripture says that it's perfect harmony. But I love harmony. But this is what I think sometimes the church sounds like right here. Because we're not in harmony. We're not loving each other. We're We're not actually doing our part. But see, what happens with harmony is there's distinct parts that make that harmony work. You have to play this note. That's my note. And then this is Pastor Bobby's note. And this is Pastor Marissa's note. And then next thing you know, you have this. But if we try to play our own note, this is what happens. You see, everyone has a part to play. And when we come together, we actually make a harmonious sound that is translated throughout the earth into those around us. But we have to play our part. And if we try to live individually and try to live separate from each other, we can never work together to make a, a difference in our city. Amen? Amen. First John four sixteen says, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God. But we have to abide in love to display his love. Amen? The last thing is this. I'm sorry. Let me. Yeah, the last thing is this. Our faith begins to grow. Our faith begins to grow. And we're motivated. We're motivated. Begin to grow and being motivated in compassion. You know, I love the story about... In Luke chapter 10, you know the story of there was this expert that, that was confronting Jesus. And he had this question. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, what, what is written in the law? 
He said, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, strength. Love your, love your neighbor as yourself. Then the expert then asked Jesus, he said, uh, who's my neighbor? And then, then Jesus shared this parable about a man who was left robbed on the side of the road, left for dead, left beaten. And then there was other two experts that had come by the road and saw him on the side of the road and, didn't, and just passed him by. And then there was this Samaritan. A Samaritan who was an outcast saw him and showed him compassion. Showed him compassion. You see, Jesus then asked, who proved to be my neighbor to the man on the left for dead, the man left for dead? Of course, it was the one who showed mercy and compassion. But what's really interesting about this story is that the Samaritan, when he came along the side of the road, he only, not only did he meet the need in the moment, but he also met the future needs of this individual. Because if you continue to read about the story, what you find out is that the Samaritan said, if there's any other needs that this guy needs, I will be back to make sure that they're cared for. You see, for us as individuals and as a community, a community has compassion for each other. A community will always come back for each other. Compassion leads us to come back. Not just passion for the moment, but a compassionate heart leads you to come back. Amen? But our faith, our faith grows. What I saw this morning, just the testimony of what we saw today. I don't know about you, but this, this encourages me. It causes my faith to get stronger and stronger. To know that people are coming to know Christ. But as Pastor Marissa was even sharing this morning. Praying for our families to come to know Christ. You know, my faith grows to know that the prodigals are coming home. It makes me excited to see that. It stirs my heart. But you see, faith, how faith really, really grows is through your testimony. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our... Overcoming is not only by the blood of the Lamb, but it's through a testimony of what God has done. What we saw today was a testimony of what God has done. And see, in order for you to have faith and increase your faith, and in order for you to have faith to forgive, maybe your story of forgiveness just might be the one who helps someone else to have that faith to forgive. When you share with somebody, hey, I've been forgiven and I have forgiven much, and you share your story about it, it may be what is needed for that person you're sharing it with to actually have the faith to forgive. Your story on how God brought you through a storm just might be what someone else needs to face the storm that they're walking through and have faith to face their trials. Your story of provision just might be what someone else needs to hear, to believe that God can come through for them and provide for their needs. Your story of healing just might be what is needed for someone to have the faith to believe that God can heal them. 
and heal their relationship and heal their wounds. Your story of deliverance just might be the story that someone else needs to see them delivered and set free from their captivity. You see, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Church, we have to share our story. We can't sit back in an individual state and think that things are going to change around us. When you begin to prophesy the promises of God and prophesy His will to be done in their life just like it was done in your life, you'll start to see change happen around you. You'll start to see family members come to know Christ. You'll start to see friends who you knew were lost forever come back to God because you chose to share your story. Share your story. Share what God has done in your life and slay the enemy by doing so. In the name of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 12, Paul refers to the kingdom and this biblical community of believers like a human body. Each one of us has a part to play. Each one needs each other. See church, you have a part to play. In this church, you have a part to play. To the people around you, you have something to say. And it's that Jesus has saved your soul. It's that simple. Share your story. I'm going to close with this. I came across this article not too long ago. I really don't even know where I found it. I don't know who wrote it. But it was an article that really supports what I, what I wanted to say today. And it says this. It's this simple. We need each other. We weren't meant to travel alone, and yet we do just that. We go to our separate corners and we choose to suffer in silence. We carry our burdens and our wounds alone and we wrestle through our fears, hurts, and insecurities and confusion all along the way. I have a request that's going to require something big of you. Come out of hiding. Come out of hiding and risk being vulnerable. Open up yourself to another human being and show up and be this for others. Our lives are an hourglass and our days are slipping away like grains of sand. Knowing this is so, don't retreat to your corner any longer. Courageously move towards others. Be there for others and let them be there for you. Be the strand in the web that makes it stronger. Hebrews 10 verse 24 says this, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together as it is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Church, we have to be there for each other because we are not meant to walk this journey alone. Would you bow your heads this morning? Father, we are so grateful for your word today. And I pray that we're challenged. We're challenged in this moment to be a part 
of this kingdom community. We're challenged in a way that we are allowing you to move on our lives so that we can be close and close-knit to other people. But Lord, I just pray that in this room today, if those are hurt and wounded, maybe those who are here today and they've felt like they've not been able to tear down those walls to be more vulnerable to the Lord and, and in essence, then turn, in turn, being vulnerable to other people. I pray, Father, that those walls be torn down in their life. I pray by your spirit, God, you would come to them and comfort them and encourage them to tear down the walls and come out of hiding. Come out of the hiding place and choose to stand in the light, to be healed, to be delivered, to be restored. And I pray in the name of Jesus for those who are here, if that's you today and you say, I've been in hiding, I've been trying to hide away behind the walls of insecurity and walls of offense and walls of rejection. And I, I just need to come out of hiding today. I, I want to bring my heart to the Lord and let the surgeon do surgery on my life. If that's you in the room today and say, I need healing and I choose to come out of hiding today, would you just lift your hand and say, that's me. Listen, no one's looking around. Just slip up your hand and say, yes, yes. Anyone else? Yes, 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 yes. I choose to come out of hiding and I want to be healed and delivered in the name of Jesus. Anyone else? Yes, I see that hand. Father, thank you, God, for these hands that have gone up. And I thank you, God, that they have lifted their hands in a, as, a, as an act of surrender, but also an act of agreement to say, yes, I agree. I'll choose to come out of hiding. And today is the day that things will change. And I'm going to surround myself with a, a community of believers to help encourage me, to help strengthen me, to help me step beyond where I'm at and come into a place of, of freedom. Thank you, God, for speaking to their hearts today. Thank you, Father, for sealing this word in their life by your spirit in Jesus' name.